first reading comes from Luke 11, 1 to 13. Luke 11, 1 to 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give, it, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at night and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, second reading comes from Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how you are, how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Good morning, everyone. It's good that we can gather together on this Lord's Day to spur one another on to encourage each other to be able to sing and to come before God in prayer and to look at his word. And so let's pray that God would help us have a profitable time as we open his word now. Father God, you know all that we bring this morning, you know all that's on our hearts and all that fills our minds. Lord, you know exactly what we each need to hear. 
And so, Father, we come this morning asking for your help. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, rebuke and teach us. Lord, that you would help us as we seek to walk faithfully with Jesus. And so, Lord, please have your way amongst us now. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was growing up, and there's a song that I've been singing with Declan some mornings, you might be familiar with it, Read Your Bible and Pray. Who knows how that went? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. If you get right into it, you can start low and get bigger. But pretty much that's the bread and butter. If you think the bread and butter of being a Christian and the life we're called to live is to read our Bibles and to pray. Two fundamental things that we need to do. But I want to put it to us this morning, and I found this in my own life. They can be the two of the hardest things to do, is to make time to read your Bible and to make time to pray. In our Christian lives, it's so easy for us to fill up our Christian life with lots of other Christian easy things. So easy just to listen to the Christian music. So easy just to try and read a Christian book. So easy just to try and do church things. And as we do those activities in church and those other things, somehow we feel we're doing what we need to do. But two fundamental things are we need to be reading our Bibles and praying. Because as that little children's song reminds us, then we'll grow, grow, grow. There's another verse that I didn't learn when I was a little boy, but I learned later on. If you don't read your Bible and forget to pray, who knows how that one goes? Then you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And then all the kids start shrinking. And that's true, isn't it? If we're not reading our Bibles, if we're not praying, our spiritual life seems to wane. We seem to weaken. How easy we can neglect those two fundamental things. In my own Christian life, I seem to have been encouraged just to fill it with conferences, going to events. There's always a recommendation, as I said, of books and other books to read. What about prayer? Because that's what we're going to focus on this morning is prayer. In the church, a few churches back, I had responsibility for overseeing many small groups. And one of the ideas in the church was, why don't we, once a quarter, put all our small groups on hold and we'll all gather at the church to pray? There were lots of people in small groups. But each quarter, the night when we'd all have a break from our home groups and meet together at the church, the numbers would plummet. Hardly anyone relatively, would gather to pray. Now, I'm not saying any of this to make us feel guilty. I'm just calling it what happens. It's true. If the church is to put on a lunch or an activity after church, I'm talking generally here. I'm just talking generally. Lots of people will line up, sign up, and get involved. If the church says, let's do an evening of Bible study, often you'll get a little less. Not as many people, but you'll still get some people to come. Because the church says, let's have a prayer meeting. You get a lot less. That's just what happens. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. 
I've felt it. Do you, have you felt it too? The thought of going to a prayer meeting makes you tired straight away. You feel weary. You think it's going to be hard work. Maybe even boring. That's just the truth. More and more we find ourselves putting prayer on the fringes of church rather than at the centre. And more and more churches then, if they know we're not going to get too many people to things like prayer meetings or other activities, we think of other things. And you start with what will people come to? And so that's what you start with. And yet the Bible encourages and exhorts us we need to be people in the word and people on our knees in prayer. And so this morning, I want us to think about how important is prayer? Is prayer that important? Does it really matter whether we're that committed to prayer or not? And so in our verses this morning, if you turn in Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read verses 18 to 20. As much as what we're going to look at this morning comes from that. We've looked at the armour of God, but this week we're going to zoom in on the final piece of that armour that pulls it all together, prayer. And we read, praying, this is what we're called to do, praying at all time in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, that's prayer, for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I pray as we look at these verses, we will see or get the answer as to why prayer is so important, why we need to think biblically about prayer when our flesh doesn't want us to give much time to prayer. And so firstly, as we look at these verses, three truths about prayer. Prayer is essential firstly because well, we're at war. Look back to the context into which those verses come. Verse 13. Put on the whole armour of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Without prayer, we're not taking up the whole armour of God. And then we see why prayer is so important is because we are at war. God has given us prayer to be able to withstand the attacks of our enemy. Have you thought much about what we have just read in those verses about the devil and his vast army? We don't give it much thought. We don't really think about the spiritual forces that are out there. But we see, firstly, the army of evil is vast. It's a vast army. When Satan rebelled and was cast down, a great number of the heavenly hosts rebelled with him. And his army must be strong because we've seen in those verses cosmic powers, spiritual forces, that's armies of evil that wage war over the earth and in the heavenly places. Satan has a vast army. The next thing, this army is organized. The powers of darkness are not just a rabble. There's structure, there's hierarchy. Satan is the prince, the power of the air. 
the prince of evil, the ruler of darkness. Under him, we've got these demonic rulers and authorities. And then there's the vast army of spiritual forces and cosmic powers. Jesus himself said, Satan's kingdom is not divided. It's organized under Satan's authority. Otherwise, it wouldn't stand. And this army's powerful. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He has real power to tempt, to deceive, to manipulate, to harm us. He led Adam and Eve astray. He brought harm into Job's life. He wanted to sift Peter. In Revelation 12, he's symbolically depicted as a mighty red dragon, a mighty beast with great horns, has great power, seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. And Jesus described Satan as being the strong man who has taken the world captive. Do we know our enemy? Or do we dismiss him? And this army of evil we see is active. Satan hates God and he hates God's people. He's got evil schemes we've just read that are constantly being put to work. He's constantly just working up other plans and schemes, leading people astray, blinding people to the truth encouraging people in blasphemy. He's constantly persecuting the church of God around the world. And you read in the Bible, even influencing world leaders and politics. He's at work, wrestling against the church. And here in these verses, we are called to take our stand against the day of evil, the day Satan and his hordes advance against us. He's like a prowling, roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He has intent. He's not sleeping under a tree on an African savannah. He's roaming and looking, hungry. That mighty dragon at the end of chapter 12 is being cast down. He knows his time is short. He's in a rage and he pursues the children of God. And his influence is real. He's not just the prince over the air of the Middle East. He's not just the prince over the air of Armadale. He's a prince of the powers of the air over all the earth. And that's not because he's omnipresent either, but because he has a vast army of, that's spiritually at work around the world. Every day of every year, 24-7, since the beginning of creation, he's been putting his schemes to work. Active. He's just as active today as he was in the Bible times. you ever want to read a book that's helpful and just picturing this, Bunyan's book called A Holy War. You've got the armies of evil against the armies of heaven. And yet, how do we depict Satan? How does he appear? As a funny little man or a little boy in a red suit with two little horns and a pitchfork. You dismiss him. As a culture, we ignore him. We even deny he exists. Talk of the devil makes people laugh or yawn. Yet what does God say? He is the prince of the power of the air. He has armies, a vast army. He's scheming and working in Revelation 12, 12. Woe to you. Woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great wrath because he knows his time is short. God says, woe to us. 
The devil is a terrible foe. He's real. As the church, are we living in denial of the devil and the spiritual battle we are in? But here we see too, we don't need to fear the devil because Christ, our prince, he's the captain of the armies of God. He's far greater than the devil. In the Bible, he's called Lord Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, Lord of armies. Jesus is our great captain and he's the one who has been given all power, authority in heaven and on earth. Christ is far greater than all. Satan is subject to him. Christ and his armies is far greater. And so we pray because God in his plan has not enabled us to stand apart from prayer. We've been exhorted to pray that we might stand. God has ordained that the way you and I resist the devil, the way his influence is diminished or pushed back against is by us wearing the armor of God. And that final piece of the armor that pulls it all together is prayer. Forsake prayer. Forsake any part of the armor and these verses give us no confidence that we will stand, that we will persevere as Christians. Rather, it's through putting on the armor of prayer that it says twice we will be able to stand. When we pray, we put our trust in God, not ourselves. When we pray, we look to God's strength, not ourselves. Jesus prayed continually. Jesus prayed all night. Paul prayed continually. And to be strong, we need to be doing likewise. We need to pray because we're in a war. And here's a wonderful thing. Prayer is essential also because it makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer works. Prayer works. One of the wonderful things that we've seen as we've gone through Ephesians is the sovereignty of God. And by that, we don't just mean that God is a sovereign, like Queen Elizabeth is a sovereign, that God is a king. By Ephesians 1 makes very clear God is sovereign over everything and everyone. Ephesians 1.11, if you turn back there, Ephesians 1.11. In him, that's Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, that's God the Father, who works all things, not some things, all things, according to the counsel of his will. That's things seen and things unseen. Everything in the entire realm of existence is under God's sovereign rule. One of the reasons we are so thankful for God's sovereignty, as we've seen in this book, is because it is God who has saved us. It is God who saved. We were blind. We were bound by our great enemy in this war. We were his captive. We could not set ourselves free. We were powerless, but God saved us. God in his sovereignty took us from the devil's side and he picked us up and he's placed us on his side. What a kindness. Verse 1 of chapter 4, or chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 4. Even as he, that's God the Father, chose us in him, that's Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. An act of love. And so we give praise to God in the midst of this battle for all that he has done. 
And so in God's sovereignty, he's saved us. He's declared us righteous. He's sanctifying us. He's guaranteed us an inheritance. Do we then just sit back? Do we just presume? No, God's word is very clear. Those whom God has saved, those whom God has made alive, will listen to his word, put on the armor, and we will pray. Because prayer makes a difference. God uses prayer. Those who persevere in the faith by the sovereignty of God are those who endure in prayer. We may not understand it. It's what the Bible says. God's sovereign work in your life is not apart from you being a man or a woman of prayer. God in his sovereignty will see that those who are his people will become men and women of prayer. That's part of being made more and more like Jesus. And prayer is part of God's sovereign plan for how we resist the devil and his schemes. Verse 18 of chapter 6. When you pray, something happens. It's there, praying at all times, because that is how we stand and resist the devil. When you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, something happens. It helps them resist the devil. When you pray for those who preach the gospel, something happens, verse 19 and 20. It helps them proclaim the gospel. And when you pray for those who are lost, something happens. It helps them hear the gospel. Prayer works because God works through prayer. What a wonder that God in his sovereignty who has drawn us into his family, in love has made us his children, has actually drawn us into playing a role in his great work of salvation, in his sovereign work, as we pray. And in the midst of this battle, it's because God is sovereign that we pray. If God isn't sovereign, prayer would be pointless. All we'd be doing is wishfully asking God, either just cheering him on or saying, can you have a go? Who prays like that? No Christian prays like that. We pray because we know God's sovereign. In the midst of this war, we pray because we know God can work sovereignly. We pray that God will change us because we know he can. We pray God will help us stand against the devil because we know he can. We pray for the advancement of the gospel because we know Jesus is greater than the devil. God is greater than the powers of darkness. We know we and pray for the salvation of the lost because we know God is greater than the hardest heart. It is precisely because God is sovereign that we are emboldened in the midst of this battle to pray. Praying for yourself, praying for others, praying for the gospel makes a difference. If you're struggling spiritually, Struggle to come before God in prayer and ask for his help. Prayer is powerful in this world. And we pray to an all-powerful God who's all-loving. And that's why the devil wants to keep you from praying. Have no doubt, when you have a prayerless life, it's not just you. Yes, your flesh is powerful. Yes, your flesh is lazy when it comes to prayer. But have no doubt, the devil in his schemes delights to keep us prayerless. To bring all those distractions the moment you drop to your knees. To fill your life so that you just don't seem to have time. 
And so prayer is essential because it makes a difference. And finally, prayer and these truths that we've got to hold on to is essential because it's a sign of spiritual life. Those who belong to Jesus pray. It's part of God's armour. No parts of the armour that Kev took us through is optional. It's a whole. And all parts are essential in the battle. You know you can't be a Christian if you're going to reject the truth. You know you can't be a Christian if you're going to reject the sword of the Spirit, the Bible. You know you can't be a Christian if you're going to reject faith. You can't be a Christian if you reject any parts of this armour. One of those is prayer. If you're living a life that rejects prayer, you need to come back to God on your knees and repent. Because prayer is that reaching out to God with words, whether silently or out loud. And it's something we do when we've been made alive by Jesus. We talk to our Father. We pray to Him. Prayer is just a child reaching up to Dad. That's what a healthy kid does. We pray. We talk to our Father. It's a sign we have a living relationship. And so if we neglect prayer, it will affect us spiritually. As Christians, we can wane in our time in the Bible and not read our Bible and pray every day and have no doubt. We keep our Bibles closed. The way we think will be affected. Our understanding of truth will be affected. The devil will go to work and start shifting the way we think and have no doubt in time we will think more and more like the world. And as Christians, as we neglect prayer, we will start to weaken and shift. We need God's help to read the Bible and so we ask God's help to help us pray. And One of the reasons we ask him for that is because we know we should pray and because deep down we want to pray. When we're prayerless, it can be a sign of self-reliance, independence, that we're finding our strength and worth elsewhere. But when we're prayerful, it shows we're clinging to God with everything, that you're our only hope. I need you. And yes, it can be hard, but God is there to help us. And so as we think about these three truths, when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be just as true tomorrow. You're in a war. As you pray tomorrow, it's going to make a difference. And it's a sign that you're alive in Jesus. And so seven quick things that come straight from this text as to how those truths should impact our lives. Firstly, keep alert. That's where verse 18 says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Are you staying alert? That's the first thing a soldier needs to work out. If he's not being alert, he's easy pickings. Are you in the midst of a battlefield but you've taken your mind off the battle? Because if you're on the battlefield and you're not concentrating, you don't last long. Are we alert? In Australia, it is so easy for us to be spiritually complacent. There's so much to distract us. 
either we can fill our lives with work, 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 and then we've got this amazing country that we live in that when we're not working, we can fill our lives with leisure, 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 leisure. And then if there's just nothing to do, we can just fill our lives with TV or just go online. And it fills everything. So easy to be spiritually complacent, to just be forgetful that we're in a war. But if we're to stay alert, you've got to be intentional about making time for God. Three ways to think about making time for God so as to be alert in this battle. Read our Bibles. Just read a verse. Don't say I have to read a whole chapter. We grow. Just read a verse. Open the Bible. God's word is truth. It's going to keep renewing your mind each day. The blessed man, Psalm 1, is the man who meditates on the law of God, God's word, day and night. It's always before him. Two, be committed to gathering with God's people each week. Church does something that just snaps us out of our routine. The Bible says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but do it all the more. The Lord's day, we're told, is a gift from God. It does bring rest, but again, it's a blessing from God because it does snap us out of the routine of work, 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 self-dependence, just consuming everything around us. Forget, but getting God, if we're not careful, we just roll on from one day to the next. Take out the Lord's day and you just roll on, roll on, roll on. But be committed to setting aside the Lord's day and gathering with his people and it's like a full stop. It's like a reboot. It's like a fresh start. Remember God, I need you, Lord. Dads, prioritize the church time for your family. And thirdly, stay away from sin. No soldier is alert if he's playing with the enemy. Stay away from sin. To be good soldiers. The Bible says, let's not get entangled in sin and worldly pursuits, but live to please Jesus Christ, our Lord and Captain. Read our Bibles, gather with his people and stay away from sin. Secondly, staying alert and then pray. We've just got to do it. We grow in prayer. Don't compare yourself to someone else. How quickly we can say, oh, I'm not a very good prayer. Declan talks to me. He doesn't think. He just talks. Makes sounds. Do it with God. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. Just talk to your Father in heaven. That's what he wants. He longs for it. Ask him for his help. Every time you ask your Father for help, and if one of the things you're asking him for help with is prayer, God will answer that because it's a good thing. It's from heaven, that sort of a desire. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Ask Jesus, teach me to pray. And you're just as precious to God as Peter, James and John. Thirdly, stay alert and pray at all times. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be praying 24-7. Otherwise, you won't be doing anything else. But it does mean praying at all times. Every aspect of your life, cover it in prayer. Every moment of your life, bring it before the Lord in prayer. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're encountering, pray. The devil never takes a break. So we never stop praying. 
The day the battle stops, then you stop praying, but it's not going to stop. And I'm sure, as I've alluded, we all feel, I feel, we fall short in prayer. But the answer is not to lower the bar. That's how we constantly go because we don't want people to feel bad. Or we have this idea that if we tell people or set up a biblical standard, we're going to discourage people. We don't want people to be discouraged. <laughs> We've got to just aim for what the Bible calls us to aim for. And Jesus is the example. I dare you to try and lessen Jesus. Jesus is the example of prayer. And so we ask Jesus, help us to become more like you. Help me to pray. Help me to pray and remember to pray for everything. So does prayer cover your day? I encourage us, pray at the start of the day. Pray at the end of the day. When you're happy, pray. When you're sad, pray. When you start feeling angry, pray. When you've got a big decision, pray. When you're feeling tempted, pray. When you're unsure about something, pray. When things are complicated at work, pray. When things are complicated at home, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Maybe take time out during your lunch break just to stop for a few minutes at work and pray. And in marriages, it's a wonderful thing if husbands and wives take time to pray together. And then we're told, stay alert and pray at all times in the Spirit. Verse 18. Now that's not speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians is very clear. Not all Christians speak in tongues. Only some. Yet every Christian is to pray in the Spirit. So it's something we are all to do. Now, don't overthink the exhortation to pray in the Spirit. When you read through the Bible, there's a constant contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. God's people are those of the Spirit, not of the flesh. God's people are those who walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And likewise, God's people are those who don't pray in the flesh, we pray in the Spirit. Firstly, all prayer outside of Christ is prayer in the flesh. Every false religion is praying in the flesh. For only in Christ can someone truly pray because Jesus opens the way to the Father. Praying in the Spirit is what a Christian just naturally does. Every time we pray, this marvelous reality of our triune God, the privilege we have, the Father coming to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. And even when we struggle to pray, Wonderful words, Romans 8, 26, the Spirit groans and helps us and brings our prayers before the Father. But here's the challenge of this text. As Christians, just as you and I can find ourselves drifting and starting to walk in the flesh rather than in the Spirit, so our prayer lives, if we're not careful, can start to drift towards the flesh and not be in the Spirit. When we pray begrudgingly, when we don't want to pray, when we become mechanical, when it's just like a duty or a routine, when we come in prayer presumptuously and demanding before God, not in reverence, when we're living a sinful life and we just think we can just presume upon God in prayer, that's praying in the flesh. That's not faithful prayer. 1 Peter 3, 7, God says to ungodly husbands, 
that are living in sin and treating their wives sinfully, he will hinder their prayers. God won't be mocked. That's where the devil wants us to be. He doesn't want you to pray in the spirit because he knows it's powerful. It frustrates his schemes. We're to pray in the spirit. When you don't feel like praying, you ask God, help me. Help me. And you wait. Maybe start with confession. Don't try and hide any sin from God. Confess. Come before him. Draw near to him. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And as you do, the Spirit of God brings us into the presence of the Father. I pray we've all had that sense of times in prayer where you really have that sense, I'm in the presence of God. God's here. God's hearing. I'm in his presence. That's the Spirit. And when we pray, pray reverently to the Sovereign King. He's a Father who is worthy of the respect that he has seated on the throne. Remember his promises. Don't demand. Tell him all your problems and wait on him. When we pray like that, prayer is alive. It's in the spirit and you have freedom. You ever had those times where you're praying and it's hard work, hard work, but you don't give up. And then after a time, you find yourself in the freedom and joy. Supernatural things happen when you pray. Fifthly, we've got to pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. All kinds of prayers. When I was growing up, I just thought prayer was prayer. And as you get older and hear people and older people at church, they start using all these different terms. I remember once praying in church. I was visiting. I was younger. And apparently it was a time for intercession. One of the elderly gentlemen came and said, you prayed a prayer of supplication. You did not pray a prayer of intercession. I had no idea there was a difference. I do know now. But there's all these different types of prayers. Supplication, when we're asking God for help. Intercession, where we're praying for other people on their behalf. Confession, where we're confessing our sin. Adoration, where we're praising God. Thanksgiving, when we're giving thanks. Pray all prayers. They are all part of us standing firm. Are you filling your life with prayers of adoration and praise? What was the great thing that led the people astray in Romans 1? They've stopped giving glory to God and thanks to God. You keep your heart in a healthy place when you pray prayers of praise and adoration. Prayers of confession. The life of a Christian is one of repentance. I don't know if any of us have had a day where we should not have stopped and prayed prayers of confession. Don't hide anything before God and you'll keep your heart in a safe place. Pray prayers of supplication because we need God for everything. We forget that. Sometimes as we pray, we think it's all the things somehow out there that God's... The fact that you're sitting here alive is because of God. That you have clothes is because of God. That you're going home probably to have lunch is because of God. Everything is from God. So we pray prayers asking him. Prayers of supplication. And prayers of intercession where we pray for other people. Pray on their behalf. You want a little acronym that I was taught when I was younger? ACTS. A-C-T-S. Pray adoration. That's the A. Then move to confession. That's the C. And a time of thanksgiving. That's the T. 
and then a time of supplication. That's the S, A-C-T-S. Well, let your prayers be shaped by the Lord's prayer itself. And the sixth part there, all kinds of prayers for all the saints. That's one of the wonderful roles and privileges, actually, is that we don't just pray for ourselves. God has equipped us to be men and women of prayer, to pray for all the saints here and around the world. It's a sign of love. If you truly love someone, you will pray for them. If you truly love them, the most able and sure help for any person is God. So whether or not they're a believer, if you're not praying for them, are you bringing into them the greatest help? God himself. Your brothers and sisters are in Christ. We're all in a spiritual, in this battle together. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. Together we pray for one another and we stand stronger. We might not understand it, but it's true because the Bible says it. When you're praying for me, I will be more spiritually secure. As I pray for you, and we pray for each other, we will be more spiritually secure because prayer works. So key to praying for one another is not just praying that we get a job, get a better, get better from sickness or pass our exams, but praying, that's okay, but taking it to another level that we stand firm in the battle, that we hold fast, that we pray for our spiritual health and perseverance. Pray for the persecuted church. The roaring lion is doing all he can. Pray for the persecuted church that they will stand firm again and again. The persecuted church, don't ask us to pray that the persecution goes away. That's a constant testimony. The constant request is that we pray that they stand fast in the fight. Do that and we'll be true brothers at arms. It'll be as if we think of Roman soldiers coming side by side. That's what we're doing. As I pray for you, as you pray for me, we lock our shields together and we help each other fend off the firing arrows. Stand fast. Epaphras, this incredible godly man that struggled in prayer. Like the picture is he struggles and wrestled in prayer, not for himself, but for people in the church. He struggled and wrestled. When I think of that, I think of when I used to go for a run and you're getting tired and you think, no, I'm going to keep pushing through. And you're busting and no, I'm going to keep going and you're sweating. No, I'm going to keep going. That's what he was like in prayer. He wrestled in prayer for others. When it was tough, he kept praying for them. When it was hard work, he kept pleading for them before God. And don't just pray for those who we see as struggling or weak. Paul says pray for him. He's the super Christian, in inverted commas. He says, I need your prayers. We all need prayer. And so remember this week, as God willing, we set aside time and pray for someone else or others. It makes a difference. You're in the fight beside them. So prayer works. You might not see how it all works now, but one day when you stand in glory, you will see. And you will know all those prayers for those people, they worked. They were part of their journey too. And finally, pray for the proclamation of the gospel. Paul says, pray for him. As we pray, the sort of things Paul's saying to pray, those who are going to proclaim the gospel, pray that they'll be bold. 
Believe it or not, Paul says he was timid. He needed the power of the Spirit to give him courage. All preachers and gospel proclaimers and you, when you're sharing the gospel with your friends and neighbors, probably feel timid. We pray that the Spirit will give us boldness. But not just that, Paul says, pray that God will open his mouth boldly to proclaim the gospel and that he'll give him the words. We need the Spirit's help to sort of put our sentences together or just to trust him as we fumble through telling people about Jesus. We need the Spirit's help. Much could dwell on this last one for a long time, but so much today is about techniques. It's about marketing, essentially. About trying to hook people in with things that will appeal to them. But it's a spiritual war. The Lord does the fighting. We do the praying. And we need to pray people into the kingdom. We need to pray for people's salvation. We need to pray for the proclaimers of the gospel. Spurgeon, if you know Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher that God used, he makes it quite clear his ministry was effective only because people prayed. When he preached, there were stacks of people all praying as he preached. It affected the preaching. For the gospel to go forward, we need to make sure we are committing time to pray. How easy we can do outreach things or different events and we pull it all together and then we just expect God's going to make it work. We need to pray. The most, use this expression, most fuddy-duddied outreach, if it's covered by prayer, will be more effective to save souls than the most fandangled outreach event that's going to fill your church. There's no guarantee souls will be saved. And so, remember, you're in a war and we need to pray. If we don't read our Bibles and pray every day, we will shrink. If we read our Bible and pray every day, we'll grow. We need to remember those truths to motivate us and encourage us and to exhort us into prayer. And so let's remember to pray. We're to grow as a church. Rightly, we've got to pray, not just get organized. If you're to grow in your Christian life, you need to pray, not just try harder. Are you praying? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you that your word tells us truth. Forgive us, Lord, that we are so slow, that our minds are so dull, that so quickly we can forget the truth, that we live each day as if there is no battle. We live each day as if there is no eternity, that souls are going to heaven or hell. We live each day, Lord, so easily as if there is no enemy that's prowling around, that the spiritual forces of the evil are doing nothing. And yet, Lord, we come before you this morning praying, press home these truths into our hearts and minds. Lord, that we would be stirred to action, that we would cling to you with all our might and strength in prayer. And Lord, that we would give you all the glory and wonder as we give you praise and thanks that we see you work through your mighty power. In Jesus' name, amen.